Father, I want to thank you this morning for the opportunity of being able to come into your presence, dear sir, to praise and to worship you. And we say this is the day that you have made, and we rejoice and be glad in it. I thank you, Father, for the precious Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you'll rise up big within me now, that you'll think through my mind and speak through my lips of clay. And I declare I am a servant, ready to be used by the Master today. And I thank you I will speak your word fearlessly, boldly, accurately, carried with the wind of the Spirit. Thank you, Father, your people will be edified, built up, that fear will be dispelled, but faith will rise up in the heart of your people. And we are Christian Family Church, Father, we're not only hearers of the word, but we doers of the word, and therefore we have great success in life. And everybody said, Amen. Wow, that's intense, right? <laughs> and that was a movie called Taken, and it was released in 2009. And here we see that Liam Nielsen, he plays a former CIA agent who sets out to find his daughter who had been kidnapped by human traffickers in France. So what was his dream? His dream was to free his daughter from a life of slavery and bring her back to her mother in South Africa, uh, in America. But it wasn't without a fight. He was relentless. He refused to become distracted. He stayed focused no matter how difficult it was, no matter what came against him. He was determined to win. He was determined to pay the price. And in the end, he succeeded and he brought his daughter home safely. But family, it wasn't without a fight. And the question I have for you this morning is, what has Satan taken from you? What is he trying to take from you that is so precious to your heart? And the title of my message today is Fight for Your Dreams. Fight to keep your families together. Fight to save your marriages. We live in a world where... Um, the world is trying to pull our marriages apart, pull our families apart. But we've got to fight and pray for them, for our families are important and our marriages are important. We've got to fight for our, our businesses, even though the economy might be going south. We know that God is the God of the north, and he, he has got everything in his hands, and he is not short, and he can take care of us. So fight for your business. God wants you to succeed. And you've got to fight for your health. You know, don't just play dead. Don't just say, oh, well, I'm, I'm going to be sick no family, maybe we've got to change the way we eat. Maybe we've got to get up and do some walking. But fight for your health because somebody somewhere needs you, your family, your church family, your grandchildren. So we must fight for our health. You know, we're always told what to do in our marriage. We've got to, be, we've got to love one another, forgive one another, and date one another in relationships. But you know what, what we're often told what not, we are not told what not to do. And in marriages, this is what we should not do. 
a daughter phones her father, Daddy, Daddy, please will you help me and come and help me? My tire is flat. Well, honey, phone your husband. Well, I did, Dad, but he didn't answer. Well, honey, do you have a spare? I phoned him also, but he didn't answer. <laughs> Don't do that. That's not good, right? So I, I believe that this message will ignite a fire inside you. You might say, Pastor Beth, I feel so discouraged. I'm battle-weary. I, I feel that, that my dreams have not come to pass. It's taken so long. Well, good. I'm glad you're here today because my message is to you. Don't give up. Pick up that shield of faith and quench every fiery dart of the wicked one that comes against you and your family. Remember, family, you're special unique. There's no one quite like you on the earth. In fact, there's no one with your DNA and you are pre-programmed to succeed in Jesus' name. And you're put on the planet to succeed. You have something that no one else has to offer. There's something unique inside you and different that you're supposed to do on the planet. Do you know that God has given you talents and abilities and gifts and desires and dreams? He's put that in our hearts so that we can develop, develop them and succeed in life. I was listening to a book about by John Maxwell, and he says this. He said, God's gift to us is all the seeds of greatness that he puts inside of us, all the seeds of our talents and abilities. God gives them to us as seeds. But our gift to God is to develop them. That's our gift to God. We can't just leave our seeds and not develop them. So our gift to God is we must develop them. If we want to be successful, we must understand we will have to overcome many obstacles and challenges in life. But when we face the challenges, our enemy, the devil, he wants us to roll over, play dead. He wants us to drink our lives to oblivion. He wants us to take a bottle of Xanax so it numbs our, our feelings so that we, we are just, we won't succeed in life. But no family, we're not going to blot out our emotions. We are going to believe God for the best in life because the best is yet to come. We're going to lift up our shield of faith and we go, not today, Satan. No, 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 not today. You take your hands off my family. You take your hands off my business. You take your hands off my health. You take your hands off my children. In the name of Jesus, they're coming back. They're going to serve you. They're going to be on fire, and they're in church serving you in Jesus' name. Not today, devil. No, 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 because Jesus is the answer, and Jesus is king. Glory to God. Glory to God. That's why I love the new song that we sung. We don't mind the devil that he is lost, and Jesus was raised from the dead, and Jesus is Lord, and Jesus is king. You know, the devil wants us to believe that we are failures, but we're not failures, family. We can learn from our mistakes and we can learn because, you know, mistakes are not bad because we can learn from our mistakes. It's not God's plan for us to be defeated. No, Satan, our enemy, he has come what? To steal? To what? And what? Destroy the very dream that God has put in your heart. But Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. Yes. So say this. I am an overcomer. Now let's say it like we mean it. I am 
an overcomer in Jesus' name. Glory to God. So we can choose this day if we're going to surrender to Satan's plan of defeat, loneliness, lack, insecurity, pain, or heartache. Or are we going to say enough is enough? Today I'm going to stand up and I'm going to fight for my dream. How many of you are here today say, Pastor Bev, I'm going to fight for my dream. Can I see your hands? I'm going to fight for my dream. Glory to God. I'm going to fight for my business. I'm going to believe God for strategies, for success for my business. I'm going to believe God for my children. I'm going to fight for them and pray. They will serve the Lord in Jesus' name. I'm going to fight for my health. I refuse to be unhealthy. I will eat correctly. I'll walk. Whatever it takes, I'm going to drink more water, get rid of the sodas, do whatever you need to do, but regain your health in Jesus' name. Fight for the relationship that is worth it. Now, if you've got a toxic relationship, family, don't need to have a toxic relationship in your life. It's like like having a bad cabbage in your fridge. It's going to stink out the whole fridge. You've got to get rid of that cabbage. Open that door and throw it away in Jesus' name because you want to have good relationships, not toxic relationships in Jesus' name. I read a powerful statement. It goes like this. If you do what is easy, your life will be hard. But however, if you do what's hard, your life will be easy. Another quote goes like this. If we stay in our comfort zones, we will fail. Success is not a comfortable journey. We have to be comfortable at being uncomfortable if we ever want to succeed. The world boxing champion... Muhammad Ali once said, the canvas is no place for a champion. And so what did he do? He got up off the canvas and he knocked his opponent, Sonny Banks, right out and he won the fight. It's time us Christians got off the canvas, family. Get up, stand up and fight. And you have already won in the name of Jesus. Use your authority that Jesus has given you. Say, no, not today, devil. You will not win this fight in the name of Jesus. I will succeed because I'm an overcomer. Jesus has already won in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Hallelujah. It's time for us to fight back. Get our fight back. Speak to the devil. Come on and take our hand, his hands off our finances, family, dreams, marriages. We're going to move forward into the destiny that God has planned for each and every one of us. Thank you, Jesus. You know, family, before God created the universe, he actually planned a the course for your life and for my life. He's put a dream in your heart that he wants you to fulfill. Jeremiah 1.4 goes like this. The Lord gave me this message. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. I've mentioned this uh, passage so many times, but faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing until it drops into our heart that we actually believe, you know what? God has got a plan for my life. And it says, before you were born, I set you apart. That's what God was saying to Jeremiah. And I appointed you as my prophet to the nations. And then Paul talks in Galatians and he says in Galatians 1.5, but even before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace 
place. Then it pleased him to reveal his son to me so that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. So here we see both Jeremiah and the apostle Paul stated that they'd been separated from their mother's womb to fulfill the purpose for which God had called them. And God has a unique purpose for you to fulfill. God has a unique purpose for you to fulfill. God has a unique purpose for you to fulfill and for you to fulfill. God has a purpose for each and every one of us to fulfill. And the examples that God puts in his word are for us to follow. What did God, what God did in the Bible days, he wants to do today. God is relevant and God is current for today. So the question I have for you is what is the dream that God has put in your heart? If money was no object, what would you do? Well, I certainly know if money was no object, I know what I would do. Is it to start your own business? Is it to fund the gospel? Is it to feed the poor? Is it to be an entrepreneur? Is it to be involved in arts and drama? Do you want to be a nurse, an architect? Do you want to be a doctor? Do you want to be a champion in sports? Do you want to be a small group leader, a pastor? Do you want to work in the children's team? Do you want to volunteer in the dream team? And everybody said, amen. Do you need to go to Bible college? Because that's a good dream to have. Do you desire to help us build churches and campuses around San Antonio? We need you to prosper. Or would you like to help us as we fund orphanages all around the world, from Mexico to Cuba to Mauritius and all around the world, we, we fund orphanages. Would you like to be partner with us? Would you like to help us set up schools and medical centers? Do you want to be a photographer or be one of the best dentists? But we have a, uh, the greatest dentists in our church already, right? So do you desire to be the best parent that you can be so you can train the next generation? generation to be men and women of God. What is it? Well, if you want to see our God-given dream fulfilled, Hebrews 10, 23 will help us. It says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. We have to hold fast to the Word of God. We have to hold fast to the dream that God has put in our heart without wavering because He who promised is faithful. Because He who promised is faithful, family. There's a great Bible teacher in Russia, and his name is Rick Renner. I don't know how many of you know, have heard of him. He's a phenomenal Bible teacher. And he describes the behavior of faith in Hebrews 11:2 this way. He says, for by faith, that is a tenacious, that is the unrelenting, that is the committed kind of faith that knows what it wants and won't give up until it receives an answer. I believe I'm preaching to men and women and young people today who have got this kind of faith. You're going to be unrelenting. You're going to be committed. You're going to hold on to the, the word of God like a bulldog. You're not going to give up in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Hebrews 11.3 talks about the Old Testament, Testament's patriarchs and matriarchs and how these men and women were, had, I like, I would say, the bulldog kind of faith. They came into alignment with God's plan and purpose for their lives. I want us to have a look today at one guy who refused to give up and his name was Noah. 
When Noah received his divine plan for his life, Noah believed the Lord. No, and the Lord said, Noah, I'm going to flood the earth because the heart of man is so desperately wicked. And sometimes I think that the heart of man today is so desperately wicked, right, family? And the Lord told Noah to build a boat, and then he said, I'm going to give you specific instructions. And then the Lord said to Noah, when the time is right, Noah, I'm going to send the animals two by two into the ark, and then I'm going to shut the door myself. And if we're honest with ourselves, this sounds crazy, doesn't it? Building a boat in the middle of nowhere, a long way from the ocean. I mean, just imagine someone from our church says, you know, Apostle Theo, I'm going to Big Ben uh, National Park. It's a desert. It's got over 800,000 acres of desert, but I'm going to go and build a boat in the middle of it. And I'm going to trust the Lord to bring rivers of living water and they're going to just, you know, help us float around. And you know what we would look at them, I would think, oh my word, is he okay? Did he have too many Red Bulls? What is he thinking? Uh, you know, is he, you know, did he have too much Mexican food the night before? What is it? But you know what? Noah was obedient to the dream that God has put in his heart, no matter how crazy it sounds. And you know what? God gave Noah clear instructions about the design and the dimension of the ark. And if God can give Noah clear directions and instructions about building ark, then God can give you and me clear directions and instructions about the dream that God has put in your heart. The ark was to be made of gopher wood. It was to be 450 times 75 times 45 feet. It had to have three floors. It had to have a large door and a square window at the top. The uh, floors had to be divided into rooms and all the walls had to be saturated with pitch. And since the ark had to hold two of every kind of living animal, it had to be constructed accordingly. Now, most people just simply breeze over the description and the requirements without a second glance, or even thinking about the fact that this, in fact, was an architectural wonder. But the obstacles that he had to overcome were enormous, not impossible, but enormous. But before he could even contemplate such a project, Noah would have to have had a thorough education in naval architecture, and the fields would, that would not arise for thousands of years still to come would be physics and calculus and mechanics and structural analysis. There was no shipbuilding tradition behind him. He had no experienced craftspeople that he could go to for advice. The eternal organization of the ship had to be built to perfection. Every tiny bit of space had to be accounted for. There was no room for oversized cages or wasted space. I mean, think about the cages for a moment and the horned animals. They had to have bars, space, properly to prevent their horns from, from going into the next cage or, or perhaps hurting another animal. Take, for example, the Texas longhorn. I looked it up, and do you know how long those horns are from tip to tip? Who wants to try and guess? Put your hand up. What, how many feet? Eight feet, up to eight feet. Can you imagine? That is a Texas longhorn. His horns are up to eight uh, feet from tip to tip. So you can imagine two of them in a cage. How big their cage had to be. And what about a giraffe and his long neck? 
And what about the birds that had to have space to fly? And think about watering the animals. Where do the troughs go? Where do the, the watering pots go? Even the floor had to be important because it couldn't be too hard, hard for the hooves. Otherwise, the hooves could be injured. So when God told Noah, build the ark, he supplied the blueprint with every engineering detail. When God gives you a dream and a plan, I've got good news for you. He is going to supply you the blueprint with every detail that you need so that you can succeed in life. You know, Morris and LaHaye tell us that Noah and his sons could have built the ark in a mere 81 years. That includes built the building dock, the scaffolding, the workshop, putting the, to, uh, together incredible mazes of, of cages, the crates, gathering the pro uh, provisions for the coming voyage, harvesting the timber for the cages and the planks for the ship. I mean, you couldn't go down to Lowe's <laughs> and just say, okay, I'm just going to get a good, grab my timber from Lowe's. No, they had to fell the trees. They had to dry the trees, and the larger beams took a couple of years longer so that they could cure properly to prevent splitting and rotting. A shipyard in the 19th century would have been overwhelmed by the size and the complexity of this job, but Noah still found time in his busy schedule to warn the people to repent of their wicked ways, otherwise they would perish in the flood. And I believe God has given us a message today. We have got to warn people from their wicked ways. They've got to turn from their wicked ways. They've got to follow what the Bible says, to follow what God says, because judgment day is coming. Jesus Christ is coming. He's going to split the skies. And those of us who are ready, we're going to go up in the first drop and we're going to be with our father and our son and his son forevermore, worshiping the Lord in heaven. Glory to God. But we've got to warn the people, tell them that Jesus is coming. And then God told, them, told the patriarch to coat the ark, both inside and outside, uh, with pitch. But when Noah hurried down to the corner store, there was no pitch at all. And seeming that there was no pitch at all, it seems that God must have accommodated Noah by creating a tar pit just for the occasion. Just another supernatural miracle from God. And then think, think for a moment, that God chose each pair of animal to come to the ark. They had to migrate all at the same time. And do you know there are 10 migrations still today? One is the Serengeti. But I want to ask you the question, where did the animals come from? From how far away did they come? Did they fly? And yet, when they came to the ark, none of them had a broken limb. None of them had a broken foot. None of them were sick. None of them were diseased. And they didn't even eat each other. There was no feeding frenzy. Were they programmed to come to the ark? And when they arrived at the ark, I mean, did they just line up? Did Noah become Dr. Doolittle? Did he start talking to the animals? Did he say, now, little ones, you come first, and large ones, you wait at your turn at the back? Or did he say, large ones, you come first, and little ones, you wait at the back? I mean, there must have been zebra and wildebeest and leopards and hippos and giraffe. And do you know that hippos attack more people in Africa than any other animal? But when the hippos came and they looked at Noah, 
They just left him alone. And how did Noah organize all the creepy crawlies that the centipedes and the scorpions that were running all over his feet? And how did he tell the birds not to fly away? Did his sons tell them to come in to lead the animals to their cages? Or did God supernaturally lead the animals to the cages? I mean, family, this was not a cruise ship. The animals didn't line up two by two. Thank you, Captain. I'll take my key. And what is my cabin 51? Oh, good. I'm on the second floor. Do I have a window? Do I have a balcony? No, family. It was not a cruise ship. In any event, this was an impossible task except for God. And you think your dream is impossible. And it might be for you, but not for God. In addition, God told Noah to gather food for the various animals. In Genesis 6, 21, it says, And be sure to take on board enough food for your family and for all the animals. Now, you know, today we have so many specialized diets. Oh, my word, there's vegan, there's keto, there's gluten-free, sugar-free, every kind of diet uh, under the sun. But in those days, there was also specialized diets. Do you know that the koala bears, they only eat eucalyptus leaves and giant pandas, they only eat bamboo trees and elephants, they need 300 pounds of hay a day. And then lions need 16 pounds of meat a day. I mean, did God put them on the Daniel fast? I actually don't know. What about the little ones that just needed seeds or did the ones that just ate fruit? Or what about those animals that just come out at night to eat? And we think our dreams are complicated. But Noah was obedient to the dream that God had put in his heart. Even though there were so many challenges ahead of him. One must have been fatigue. I mean, he must have got tired. All the physical work at his age, chopping down the trees, felling the, the wood. I wonder if he ever thought, when is this ever going to end? I mean, what about time? We live in such an instant world, don't we? We put our popcorn in the microwave and it goes crack, snapple, and pop. And in instant, we've got our popcorn. We live in the microwave age where we thank God for instant nails. We thank God for instant, instant hair. And we thank God for instant meals because that is the microwave age that we live in. But dreams take time. And we have to pursue our dreams with relentless faith. How Noah's friends must have criticized him, mocked him. They might have tried to distract him, pull him off the wall. You're crazy. You're fanatical. Are you out of your mind? We've never heard of a flood. What is rain? You say the water's going to come. You're crazy. But Noah had a dream from the Lord. But at this, up to this point, family, the earth had been surrounded by a canopy of mist and the whole planet was one huge greenhouse in which the land was watered by dew every morning. The skies never dropped rain, nor had the bowels of the earth ever released water. And man had never heard of rain, let alone flood. And we know his extended family didn't believe him. They thought he was crazy because only his immediate family got in the boat. Maybe his friends said, oh, he's unrealistic. Or maybe they said he was fanatical. But when God gives us a dream, 
We've got to hold on to it. We've got to fight for it because people, our family, even our friends might try and talk us out of it, even destroy the dream that is in our heart. I know for sure when Apostle Theo was given that night vision so many years ago about expanding the ministry to the USA, it sounded so far-fetched, it sounded so crazy, um, but he knew that if we didn't pursue the dream that we would, as a family, we would miss our destiny. He was like Noah. He was tenacious. He was relentless. He had to ignore the naysayers. He had to ignore his friends and his family who tried to discourage him. Even though, family, we've been here for 20 years, we are still contending for our dream. And we have got so much in, still in, in our hearts. We've got so much still to do. Look, Noah, uh, he contended for 81 years for his dream at least. And there's Caleb who was 85, and he said, I'm still, I'm fit as I was when I was 45. Give me the mountain. And God has put in our hearts, oh, we believe, God, that the Spirit of God is going to fall in this church, that the anointing of God is going to fall in a new supernatural way. We're going to have signs, wonders, miracles. Not one seat will be left open because people will be so hungry for the power of God. They'll be lining up. They'll be saying, when is the next service and the praise and worship and the anointing will just flood this auditorium and we'll not only have one church, we might have to build another bigger church. We might have to have campuses all around San Antonio. Oh, there's so much more in our hearts. I'm not going to tell you all that God has put in our hearts, but I can tell you we are not retiring anytime soon. We are refired for the power of God and for the anointing of God and for the vision that God has put in our hearts and we will not rest and we will not hang up our gloves until the vision has been completed in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We believe each person that belongs to Christian family church is a tither, is a giver, is a worshiper, is involved somewhere in helping in the dream team. They are busy around with the work of the Lord. Oh, we are going to be a lighthouse. I know God sent us to America for such a time as this. So strap your seatbelt on. We're going to about to take off in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You know, when I was uh, studying this message about Noah, I was speaking to my husband. He said, Bev, have you ever wondered about the ramifications of Noah's obedience? And he said, Bev, the very fact that Noah succeeded despite all of his challenges, he held fast to his confession of faith. And he said, Bev, because he obeyed God. Listen to this. The human race was able to continue. He said, Bev, Noah was like a new Adam. When we say yes to God's dream and plans, we don't realize the ramifications of our obedience. But decade after decade, Noah stayed the course. And billions of people exist today that would not have been born if he didn't fight for his dreams. His life is still encouraging us today. His life is still affecting us today. I'm preaching about him today. So your dream can make an impact on your family, your community, on San Antonio, and what about the world, just like Noah's did. I'm going to end this morning's teaching with a story about Christina Noble. Christina Noble was born in 1944 in Dublin, Ireland, 
in a place called Liberties. It was the worst slum in Europe at the time. She was the eldest of eight children. Two had died as babies. Her father was an alcoholic and her mother was very sick. Her father frittered the money away. And Christina's mum died when she was just 10 years old. And she had to assume the role of being the mother to those children, even though the youngest was only three years of age. She tried to feed them. She tried to take them to school. In fact, she would go, she'd get up at four o'clock in the morning and she would go to the rubbish dumps at the marketplace and she would gather the cabbages and the oranges that people had tossed away. She would come home and she would try and feed them to her siblings, but they were malnourished and, and they got scabies and ringworm. And, and of course, someone reported them to the authorities. Christina clearly remembers the day they were taken to the courtroom. The judge looked at them and his eyes were as cold as ice and they were sent to different institutions. She remembers screaming, Daddy, Daddy, please, don't let them take us away from you. Daddy, Daddy, I promise I'll make sure they all go to school. But yet her, her father shouted back at the courtroom, your mother is dead and I can't look after you. The institution she was sent to was hundreds of miles away from home. They mentally abused and the children and beat them. At 16 years of age, she escaped the institution, went back to Dublin to look for her dad. But he was nowhere to be found uh, he was living in a hostel. She found him in a hostel. No room for her, so she was homeless. Homeless at 16. So she went into the park, and she slept at the park at night. She would burrow under the ground. She would make like a little den uh, in the soil, which would keep her warm at night, and she'd cover herself with um, cardboard and with newspapers, and she'd cry for her mother. At 18, she moved to England. She got married to a man who, who used to beat her. She had three children, so it was a, a terrible marriage. She was addicted to a woman. But through it all, somehow, she had a love for the Lord and, and spoke to him often. And in, in her limited way, she thought, if I just go to a Catholic church and I can see a statue of Jesus, then I can talk to the statue, and then I know that I, I'm connecting with Jesus. And she would do that often, so she felt she could talk to Jesus. While her children were very small, one night in 1971, she had, when she was at her lowest point of her life, she had a dream, a very vivid dream. She dreamt about the Vietnam War. She dreamt about children's hands that were reached out to her and crying to her and say, feed us, help us, love us. And they were begging her to take care of them. She dreamt she could make a difference to the children in Vietnam. She wasn't a traveler. She didn't even know where Vietnam was. But in her dream against the black and red sky, a word written out, Vietnam. She couldn't explain the dream, but she became obsessed with Vietnam. And she said to the Lord, if you just give me time, I'll promise I'll follow the dream that you've put in my heart. You see, she needed time to raise her children until they got married and on their own feet. 18 years later, 18 years later, God gave her a dream. She had to wait 18 years before she be could begin her dream. But she was obedient. She was faithful. 18 years later, she packed her little bag and off she went to Vietnam with a few hundred pounds in her pocket. 
She was not highly educated. She didn't have any qualifications. She did not have any financial backing. She didn't know the right people. But she had a dream from the Lord. And she was going to allow him to lead and guide her until she fulfilled her dream. She checked into a hotel and started walking the streets of Vietnam. She saw little children. She loved on them. She found an orphanage in the middle of the city, and she went and she started working there. Of course they question her motives. What are you doing here, Westerner? Have you come with a ton of money? Why are you here? Uh, And she said, no, I don't have much money. I'm not wealthy, but I do have a dream. A dream from God, and I've got lots and lots and lots of love I want to give to the children. And they said, how do you know what it feels like to be a street child? How do you know what it feels like to be um, hungry and dirty? How do you know what it feels like to be without a parent? And she said, listen, it doesn't matter whether you're in the gutter in Dublin or the gutter in Vietnam. You're still in the gutter. And she told the the authorities, I've got a passion, a passion from the Lord, and God gave it to me, and it came out of my own bad background. She told them, I know what it's like to be homeless. I know what it's like to be without a parent. I know what it's like to struggle. I know what it's like to be hungry and to go without. Well, the authorities eventually and reluctantly gave her a working visa, and she worked tirelessly night and day in this little orphanage, loving the children, helping them. But she wanted to raise money because the orphanage, the little buildings, needed repair. She wanted to turn it into a medical center, a place where children could get medical help. So she started relentlessly calling on companies, knocking on doors, until one day an oil company gave her her first check for $20,000. From that day, which was 19. 89 until today, her life has touched over 1 million children. She started over 100 projects in Mongolia and Vietnam. She has medical and dental clinics. She's got schools where children are loved and educated. Christine Noble has been named one of the one of the 50 most inspiring people of our time. Even though she had a traumatic uh, childhood in the slums of Dublin, as an adult, she used her own harsh experiences to transform the lives of impoverished children everywhere, over a million of them. She said, I'm not wealthy in terms of money, but my life is rich. Every day I feel like I've won the lottery. I could never spend all the joy that I've received from helping so many children. You see, family, it's not about where we've been. It's not about what we've lost. It's about what we have now, what we have today. It's our decision today. What are we going to do about our future? Are we going to allow our past disappointments and experiences and hurt and setbacks and heartache and rejection to cloud our future and kill our dreams. Remember, our past was a lesson. It was not a life sentence. Our past was a lesson. It was not a life sentence. So what are we going to do about our future? Are we going to listen to the voice of God, let him lead us and guide us into good success? 
Are we going to fulfill our dreams, family? If her dream could uh, touch a million lives, what about yours? What about mine? It's time for us to pick up our shield of faith and fight for our dreams. Family, you are worth it. I believe with God's help, you can do it. I believe God wants to help you to renew your vision today. I believe He wants to restore the passion so you can relentlessly and commit and with commitment follow the dream that God has put in your heart. I believe today God wants you to live that extra extraordinary life that he has planned for you. I know you can with God's help. Well, all things are possible. What's impossible with man is possible with God. How many of you say, Pastor Babe, I'd be encouraged to pursue the dream that's in my heart this morning. If you just raise your hands and say, Pastor Babe, I want you to agree with me today that, your, that the dream that God has put in my heart will come to pass. Well, if that's you, I want you to come forward and we're going to agree with you. My husband, and I are going to pray for you. You might have said, Pastor Bev, I've put my dream on the shelf. I've put my dream in a cupboard. You might say, I put my dream in a bunker. It's underground. Well, you know what Jesus said to Lazarus when he was dead? He said, Lazarus, come forth and I'm going to call your dreams in the name of Jesus and I'm going to say, dreams, come forth in the name of Jesus. They're not going to stay in a bunker. They're not going to stay in a cupboard. They're not going to be on the shelf anymore. God's going to resurrect your dreams with resurrection power day in the name of Jesus that what you thought was dead and buried God is going to raise in Jesus name and God is going to renew your passion he's going to restore the dream that God has put in your heart and we're going to see mighty miracles in Jesus name how many of you say I'm ready I'm ready for a fresh touch I'm ready to receive my dream I'm ready to pursue my passion I'm ready today I'm committed with relentless faith well my husband are we going to I'm to pray over you right now in the name of Jesus. Just please line them all up. We're going to pray together. I'm going to pray one prayer and then I want you to say, I agree with you, Pastor Bev. And then my husband and I, we're going to lay hands on you and the power of God's going to come on you. And you just say, I receive. And God's going to touch you in a supernatural way today. Father, we pray for all our brothers and our sisters in the house today, those watching us online also. And we thank you, Father, for the resurrection power. When you spoke to Lazarus, you said, Lazarus, come forth. And he came. He came because of the word that you spoke. We thank you, Father, for raising up these men and women to fulfill their dreams in Jesus' name. We thank you, Father, for resurrection power. We thank you for touching them in a fresh new way. We thank you, Father, for making a way where there seems to be no way. We thank Thank you that you are the way maker. We thank you that you are the God of the impossible. With you, all things are possible. And so we agree with our brothers and sisters today, Father, for a fresh touch, a renewed passion in Jesus' name. And everybody said, I'm ready to receive. I'm ready to receive. I'm ready to receive. I'm ready to receive. Okay, and then you can play nice and fervently. Fervently, I like Lots of dun, 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 dun. Confess of, uh, you, okay. Confess. Tell me, I'll tell them. Tell me, I'll tell them. Okay, he wants you to confess. That's a good thing. I just wish we could do the devil song. All of you that are up in the front here, won't you please close your eyes, raise your hands to the Lord and say this. Father, I believe. When hands are laid on me, when hands are laid on me, I will receive. I will receive inspiration. Inspiration. Encouragement. Encouragement. And anointing. And anointing. 
to pursue the dream. To pursue the dream. You've put in my heart. You've put in my heart. I thank you for your wisdom. I thank you for your wisdom. I will receive. I will receive the plan. The plan to follow. To follow. And the grace. And the grace. To fulfill it. To fulfill it. I receive it all now. I receive it all now. And I shall give you all the glory. And I give you all the glory. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' Amen. name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Are we not allowed to sing the devil song? I love the devil song. Okay, afterwards we can sing the devil song. Okay. <laughs> In the name of Jesus. Yes, receive it right now. Thank you, Father. Yes, thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Oh, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, yes, Kashandala Kandala Borodo, Hidala Bagandala Borodo, Rodo, Nora Bagandala Boshadala Branda. Oh, Yes, in the name of Jesus. Oh, did we pray for you, my angel? No, not yet. Okay, come on, let's pray for you. Come forward. And yes, there you go, my angel. There you go, my angel. There you go, my angel. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. In the laborodo, shadalaborodo. Eda laborodo, shadalaborodo, shadalabriandelaborodo. In the labashidiandelaborodo. In the labashadalaborodo. There you go. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'll go over here, lovey. There's a step. Thank you. Thank you. Will you do it? I won't go. Praise the Lord. Wasn't that an amazing, wonderful, powerful message this morning? So encouraging. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, there's some folks here. Praise God. In the name of Jesus, receive. Receive right now in Jesus' name. There it is. Thank you, Lord. What a powerful message. Amen.